comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Hello, Nashville. Today, I'm hanging out with Ryan Lampa. Uh, with people loving Nashville. Yes, sir. Thanks for joining me in the Rambler. Yeah, thank you. And man. and actually, thanks for joining me again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> round because two. Round he two. is my <laughs> second guest, or he's the first second interview. Is that right? That's that right. <laughs> sure. But I, I sadly, um, we had a lot of technical difficulties last mm-hmm. time, and mm-hmm. then in spite of that, one of the files didn't work or anyway. So I'm yeah. like, hey, dude, you want to sit down and chat again? <laughs> I was like, man, I'm really sorry. That's all good, man. Almost a year later. And life's changed quite a bit for both of us, really, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to think, had I had, I don't know if I had our third kid. I don't think you did. Well, (laughs) how was your third kid? Well, he's, yeah, he's 10 months. Yeah, no. uh -uh. That's crazy. So we had, I had a kid. Well, not I, but my wife had a kid. too. Yeah, so we have three total kids now. And so you got boys, girls? All boys. Are are you all boys, too? Okay. Four, two, and 10 months, yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. Because I have all boys too. Yeah, yeah. What, how old are you? There are thirteen, um, ten, mm-hmm. and then five. Oh wow! Yeah. And man, I took my five-year-old to school today. Mm-hmm. I take him in the mornings, and I'm literally like, I was sitting there waiting, drop him off. I was sitting there waiting to leave, and I'm just like, oh god, I love that kid so much. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it's unhealthy. You know, like <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it's and we neither one of us want to. You want to want him to grow up, know. you know. And last night we were putting him down, and yeah. we totally got out of routine with all this, you know, COVID yeah. stuff, and no school and hybrid and this and that. And so he was going to bed. He would one of us would stay up later watching TV or something. Okay. So he would come and cuddle, yeah. you know, and he'd fall asleep. And I, oh, I just yeah. I loved it. Yeah. You know? And then Natalie would come up and she'd take him to his bed. Right. And so we're like, all right, school's back. We got to get him. He's got to get the routine right. into bed. Right. So. <laughs> So last night, um, it, Natalie was putting him down, and then she started listening to some music while he was in his bed. And I'm like, "Why are you doing that? You're just creating a habit, you know." So, anyways, I read the Bible to him as she went downstairs, and I'm like, "Let's go back to my let's go back to my room." <laughs> I was like, awesome. "Let's cuddle." <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, I know. We this morning we I said the same thing to Christy, like our two year old Zion was just he he loves drinking uh, drinking my water. Okay. So okay. Just like, yeah. Dad, can I have some of your water? And it's like that's not going to last forever. Right. 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 Always want to drink out of our water. So. I mean, it's even like toys and like yeah. I took a picture. Uh, Hudson's really gotten into cars. I mean, he is just out playing and um, and the other day I took a picture in the bonus room because he had a royal mess with cars everywhere. Mm. But he'll match them up and he'll do that. And I'm just like, you could get irritated at the mess, right. but then you know the mess isn't going to be there forever. Yeah. You know? so. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right, so uh, in a minute or less, give me a snapshot of what excites you to get out of the bed. Wow. Well, recently, and this is just a new thing for me, is uh, I'm training for a triathlon. Like That's been my morning routine, 545, get up and do whatever the, the training calls for that day. And at the beginning, you know, I was like, oh, gosh, this is going to be mm-hmm. tough. But now I kind of look forward to it. I mean, the hard part is we still have little kids, so getting up in the middle of the night is still a thing you know, with a 10-month-old or the two-year-old, whatever right. it might be. Um, 
So in in there's there's sacrifice too for my wife as right. well. So I'm very thankful for her. Um, but I I am very yeah excited to get up in the morning and do that. And then it's just you know it's kind of on with the rest of the day from there. It's mm-hmm. a good way to start the day, at least for me. Yeah. I don't know. I know maybe it doesn't work out for everybody else. Yeah. But I I, I think right if you read enough books and listen to podcasts and stuff that like the exercise is, is yeah. key. Yeah. Now again everybody doesn't doesn't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. For but. at least for yeah, for me and a few other friends. Like they they love it. Yeah. Like they're very much <laughs> and it's it I don't know what it is. It's I mean, I know what it is. It's blood flow. It's mm-hmm. like getting up and, and doing it with your so do you ride it? Are you training with your friends? No, too? actually okay. I'm not. I've okay. just been doing it solo. And I think that connecting with nature has been a, a good yeah. recharging thing yeah. too. Yeah. You know? Just being outside. I try to do you know, greenways and, you know, that sort of thing, trail runs. Yep. And and just no headphones, no phone. Mm-hmm. Really? Just, yeah. Just just be out and, and, and with, with nature. So yeah. That's been super recharging. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's funny. I'll, I'll work in a yard. And yesterday I think I caught up on some polit- political stuff, mm-hmm. listened to a podcast. But then sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I don't. I don't want because you almost get in a habit where you feel like you always have to listen to something. It's yeah, just like yeah, just going. Let's just enjoy. Oh, that was the totally noises, me. You know? Totally me. I mean, I was always consuming something: podcast, sermon, the yeah. news. And yeah. it's actually broken that habit for me. I was telling a friend yesterday. I used to consume at least a podcast or two a day. Okay. And I'm like, man, I don't remember the last time I like listened to a podcast all the way through. Yeah. I've been filling a lot of that space with nothing. Right. right. <laughs> well, not necessarily nothing. It's just nature and yeah. my own thoughts, I guess. It's a new thing. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed it. I'm, well, a, I'm a lot less stressed. I got off I used the, to be. I was actually listening to, I popped on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a week, week and a half, end of August. And Lauren Daigle, was, yeah. she popped on. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about, yeah, she just did a 21-day fast from social media and this and that. Mm-hmm. And she was just talking about, you know, the benefits of, of it for her and She's like, yeah, I'm probably gonna be on it less, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess there, I, 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 who knows? I might have read something earlier that was like, oh, unfollow this person, unfollow, you know. And uh, I was just like, you know what? I think I'm gonna get off social media, mm. and I'm gonna get off of it, and until I decide to have another beverage, you know. Yeah. So I jumped off of Instagram, Facebook, took it off my phone, mm-hmm. and it has been kind of nice, dude. Like I'm on the same thing with you, bro. It's. <laughs> I'm not. A, you've been doing it about a year so, now. Is no, 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 oh. no. So this was. I've only been doing it a month. Okay, I'm right along with you about a month. I, okay, I just I stopped doing that as well. Yeah, you and know. you do you think it's more of a because of all the chaos that's going on? Yeah, like, I honestly I told Christy my wife last night. Uh, we were talking about this, and I, I watched half of this. Uh, there's that Netflix uh, movie. Uh, um, what is it I, I don't uh, know the name, but I know what you're talking yeah, about. The, the social dilemma <laughs> yes, is what it's yes. called. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I, it was before I watched that. and I, I need to watch it then. It, yeah. It's really intriguing. Okay. But I, I definitely, um, I started to realize that I couldn't trust my own bias, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. the leanings that I had, I couldn't trust my own bias in being able to decipher like what's true and what's actually happening versus what's being like literally fed to me right <laughs> you know? right right like in and i i don't know i i would say it often i'm like i don't know why i'm still on instagram i was just looking at stuff and you just scroll through but i'm, I'm telling you like they got my number yeah i, I, I mean just the weirdest right. things i'm like how did you know that right. i like tactical pants right right <laughs> they just know i have no idea 
I mean, I probably right, talk about right, it right, once right. or twice. But it, when I when I got to that, I was like, man, I, I just I can't trust where I'm at with that because mm-hmm. I'll fall down a hole before I know it. And um, and so I just was like, well, I'm just gonna mm-hmm. delete it. I mean, I've done it a few times before. Right, but right. Now I think this is gonna be the most yeah. long term. Well, no judgment on anybody that that does it because you know my brother even tells me he's like. Well, it's not Instagram that's the issue. It's probably you. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of truth to that. But if I remove that, then there's right. no interaction with it. it well, I right, found right. just oh, yeah. just so less stressed and worried, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I would sit down. I'd find what I'd do is I'd sit down, like say in the morning, have a little coffee. And I'm like, all right, got to jump, read you know, a little Bible. And then if I'm bored for a second... I want to. I want to click. Yeah. And then, even though, like, I feel like I wouldn't. I wouldn't just surf and like and everything. But even if it's five or ten minutes, you take that times every hour. Yeah. You know, if you just yeah. get bored. And so now, I've I've seen the Weather Channel more than I had before mm-hmm. because I still have a desire to like find something. But then I just I put it up and yeah. I'll go do something. Yeah. You know. So it's yeah. just not only what's feeding you, but. Right if you got to know yourself, which I think it's healthy it's, it, it, and it can be even with real estate, like it's beneficial from a marketing and yeah. I, and I, and I will get back on it because of all this stuff. Yeah, you sure. know? Oh yeah. Yeah. But that's gotta be interesting. For even sure. be more intentional with like really using it very selfishly, like yeah. post get off, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And maybe yeah. not even, I was even thinking the other day, I was like really, and, and I think I've had this thought before too, but really using it using it as a positive message board, mm, right? Mm-hmm. And to promote just others. Because mm. sometimes, you know, I'm like, hey, I know you care that I'm doing this. And really, they probably don't, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really trying to use it for just solely, you know, promoting other people. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. That's awesome. But, but, I, but it, I, I do think it's, yeah, there's some wonderful things. It can, uh, yeah. That, that social media, definitely. And it's funny. It's like I feel like that this discussion is age old mm-hmm. you know and I, I feel like i feel like it that most people know yeah there's robots that you know figure out what we like and what right. we lean to and they feed into that to keep us on the internet like yeah yep. i feel like that's becoming right knowledge you know public knowledge i don't know i, I that just freaks me out a yeah <laughs> like right and i and i'm and it is a weird thing for me too that like not my my industry doesn't really rely or my right. part of my industry doesn't rely on any kind of real advertisement stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, I guess spreading the word of what we're doing as far as our outreaches and stuff and, and fundraising mm-hmm. will definitely utilize that. But for me personally, it's like it doesn't mm-hmm. I, I, I don't my, my 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 livelihood doesn't. And you can hire that. somebody to outsource that. Yeah. Really. Yeah. You know, and, there's, like, and there's people that are way better at yeah. than me. Um, but I did find that. Yeah, I was filling the the margins with mm-hmm. with media or or, or it, you know whatever it might be mm-hmm. it's just filling those margins and, and the reality is is what we put in is what comes out yeah right? yeah know? and like it's okay to fill it with eating an apple right like my one of my best friends in colorado kenny when he came and visited me i mean this is years ago like 10 years ago and he's like hey you want to just go back to the house and eat an apple and i was like well eat an apple and do what <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> no dude just sit down and eat an apple for a minute like we just need to like chill out i'm like okay so we sat on my couch ate an apple barely said anything <laughs> but i'm i distinctly remember that it was life-changing uh, that is I, too funny I remember that going and i say it all the time i mean yeah you know what let's just go sit down and eat an apple 
and just enjoy an apple from and it sounds so hippie but it's it's really true right it's really true right I, and i you know i don't know i mean i you know i have young kids but i don't know i don't know what what it's going to be like oh, man. for them and you have older kids. Yeah, well, you know? in the middle. And yeah, so teenagers and stuff. I mean, 13-year-old has it's the gotta phone. It's got to be crazy. I mean, Well, there's another podcast. The the I forget what it's called, actually. I'll say I'll look it up later. It's a, uh, something, Crutcher or something. Hmm. Well, he's interviewing, um, you know, some. it's all tech-driven, tech social media. So yeah. interviewing a kid that had overcome, you know, social media addiction, you hmm. know, and I mean, it's really like when you hear this stuff and you see people that went down the hole and what it took for them to come out, yeah. you know, um, and uh, including porn and mm. putting all that stuff, you know, and mm. it's like, man, I like I want to I listen to it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, man, we need to take the phone away. Yeah. But I'm like, I know there's a balance there, you yeah. know, but it's yeah. it is. And I it's, wonder what it's, you know, is it going to be cool in the future to just not be plugged in? I don't know. You know? I think so. Well, you know what? I mean, if you think about <laughs> everything. Okay, everything goes in fads, right? Right. But, but I wonder with technology this Technology wasn't a fad, though, right? Yeah. It, it's it's just... Yeah, there's a there's an interesting graph on that film uh, that I watched last night, and they, they showed, like, the evolution of technology and mm-hmm. processing speed mm. in, like, the last, I don't know, few hundred years. And it's, it's uh, like, the the exponential growth is like in the trillions times like so like a mm-hmm. hundred trillion times faster than wow and I, I don't remember the date but it wasn't that long ago where i went okay so when the first computer came out till now we're a hundred trillion times faster in processing yeah. speed wow and you're like whoa and our and then then they go back and they're like yeah as far as human brain we haven't like really well and you uh, know and i'm sitting there thinking our, you know capabilities of thought yeah all too right, much right <laughs> yeah because we're times. playing we're being reactive not proactive right? yeah and yeah it, well and it, just thinking about you know obviously with all the politics you think how many people are influenced based on just social media yeah versus policies or you yeah. know like I mean, yeah yeah or even just having discussion actual all right. discussion <laughs> let's get into the interview now yeah no right. politics right <laughs> all right so um when you look at your boys yeah. and reflect on the ages they are now, what are some highlights of that period of time in your life that come to mind? Hmm. I mean, for all three of them, they, they all have unique um, birthing stories. Mm-hmm. Like those are probably, I mean, those are just, you know, etched into my mind forever. I mean, you know, our, our youngest, we had them in a birthing center and we pretty much labored like, I mean, the birthing center is beautiful. And we like, we, we got in there, we were some of the first births in there and it was like having a baby in like a Weston hotel. It's okay. awesome. And like we, you know, when it came to like the last 30, 40 minutes, that's when, you know, the midwife right. came in. But the whole rest of the labor was just me and Christy. Oh, and just wow. a wild yeah. ride of like, we have no that would idea be interesting, yeah. what we're doing, but it's, you know, it's a very natural thing. And, and so that was, you know, and then Zion was like, I mean, we had him on the triage bed at Vanderbilt, you know, they didn't have enough rooms and Christy was like, I'm ready to push and Mm -hmm. caught, you know, caught all three of the kids. So then the third kid is, uh, Ezra. Um, what's the first one you said? Noah, Noah, Zion, Zion, Ezra. Ezra, So Ezra, he was born in our bedroom on accident too. I mean, Christy is just a champ at delivering babies and 
Did you, you have a midwife there? No. I had, Did one count? I had two two phones, one to 911 and one to the midwife. <laughs> and 911's like reading their script. They're like, okay, put her on her back, put her knees up. We're like, well, we didn't really do that with the other two. Right. We're not going to do that. They're like, you have to do that. I'm like, ah. And then the midwife's like, no, you don't have to do that. I just thought this is a really funny conversation. Right. But actually, I got the recording of the 911 Yeah, this call. is the last one. Yeah. 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 So 10 months ago, yeah. And uh, wow. Christy was awesome. Like she, it was, you know, she describes it. She's like, I went like kind of primal where like when she was ready to push and have the baby, she like made this nest out of blankets. Like naturally, she's like, I don't even know what I'm doing right now. She just made this little nest. I was like, I'm, I'm following your lead here. And then, yeah, I caught him. Like just caught oh, my wow. son. And, you know, it's half terrifying and half right. That's exhilarating because, you know, you hear crazy stories. Yeah. But I, yeah, I caught him and he looked at, opened his eyes and started crying and I was like, "Ah, we got a baby." Now, do y'all do y'all do y'all live in a house or y'all like live yeah. in a tent yeah. underneath <laughs> the tree? <laughs> right. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh it was wild. Now, so those are the yeah, those are probably the most impactful. So, so yeah. in thinking of those memories, thinking yeah. of you as a child, like what oh, was man. what does uh, what did that look like? Yeah, so I I mean the oldest of four kids. I got um, you know, two sisters and a brother. Um Man, I love because I'm seeing now the four year old, the two year old, and the ten year old, like the, or ten month old. They're starting to gel and mm. getting each other's personalities and seeing them play, seeing them fight, mm-hmm. seeing them their differences and their personalities. It's it's awesome because we're similar age gaps to okay. my sisters and brothers. Where it was just like every two years or so, we, you know, Nate's a little bit younger, but uh, the dynamic between the siblings, I would say, is is very similar. Where you're seeing like, wow, this growth of this little pod mm-hmm. of kids, you know, because we're all still close, and I know that's not, yeah, always the story, you know, with with siblings. Um, and are you the I, oldest? Or yeah, what? okay, yeah. So I f- I hope that like what I don't know the camaraderie that they're experiencing mm-hmm. now will will continue yeah. on. Um, but yeah, that's a similarity that I see. It's it's really fun to see that like, wow, they're like they're buds. Mm-hmm. You know? they, I mean, they fight. Like so you had a good time with too. your siblings. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we fought for sure at the beginning, you know, and we fight a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we fight as the adults. <laughs> right, right, right. In conversations. <laughs> right. Who has yeah, the yeah, biggest yeah. words. Yeah. All right. So what was Ryan's reputation and interest like in your teen years and how did your environment begin to shape you? Oh, my gosh. Um, teen years. So I, well, we moved to from Michigan to Colorado when I was 11 and I came from like a Catholic school background like you know wear collared shirts mm-hmm. and like don't po- talk back to the nuns and that sort of stuff right so I was a very like conservative kid and then coming to Colorado it was like why does everybody have water bottles and starter jackets and like it was just a different culture what part of Michigan um, Ann Arbor okay yeah just yeah. right outside of yep. Ann Arbor yep. And then we yeah we moved to like just outside of Boulder, Colorado, like hippie town. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. I began to you know, I had a lot more friends that were a lot uh, <laughs> a lot more free with their life. You mm-hmm. know, like seeing people smoke weed and you know like laugh loud and throw things. I was like, whoa, you can do this. Like mm-hmm. you can be a rambunctious boy. Like this is kind of cool. And I remember you know my friend Elijah when he laughed really loud in class and I looked at him like it's okay to laugh loud and I remember I'd say this a lot to my friends I'm like I learned to laugh from my friend Elijah like mm. when I was like 12 years old and so since then it's like 
I feel like I kind of blossomed into like, oh, you can be a little bit of an extrovert, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like living in Boulder, hippie town, it just, I felt a lot more freedom. Right. And then, yeah, through my teens, I mean, through middle school and high school, I, I just kind of fell into leadership positions a lot. I've, you know, uh, student council and captain of the football team, that sort of thing. I love to rollerblade, be outside, ride my bike and just, you know, be as active as possible. I'd like to experience things on my own when mm-hmm. I was a kid too. I remember that. Like I, nobody in my family did the skiing thing or snowboarding thing. Oh yeah. That, that is interesting. Yeah. You were living. And living I just there. was like, yeah. And I was like, ah, I just want to go try it. So yeah. I would just go by myself okay. and figure it out and then find other friends to go do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was mainly the teen years active outside sports leadership. We were really involved with church as well. There was a lot of, mm-hmm. um, active, we were still going to a Catholic church then. Um, and it was, it was beautiful. We had a youth, big youth group. We were always doing fun activities. Um, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I would say my, my, yeah, my environment of my upbringing was mostly good. You know, there were some interesting things along the way for mm-hmm. sure, but mostly really good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <coughs> How old are you? 37. 37. 38 in yep. December. Nice. Yeah. December what? Fourth. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my wife's is the 24th. Mm-hmm. It's always Christmas complicated, Eve, yeah. yeah, to get her gifts, <laughs> poor, you poor know. Her, yeah. yeah, it is. Um, all right, so did you have it all figured out whenever you walked the aisle uh, mm. at at high school? Where, where were you going after that? Oh gosh, no. Well, I was going to go to um, University of Colorado with my Apple friend Kenny. We were going to be uh, roommates, mm-hmm. you know, and I was going to go for my general ed classes and. I think I picked communications as my <laughs> major you okay. know? and I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I, I had uh, a little grant that I got for playing football for like 12, <laughs> 1200 bucks. I think what position outside linebacker. Okay. I was tiny, but I just love to hit people. In the Did face. you? <laughs> <laughs> that was the best. You got to tell your, tell your boys that. Oh, absolutely. Well, I don't know. Christy might have something to say about yeah. that, but I loved it. Just going face to face. Just like, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And it was, it was again, like that energy of being a young boy. Mm-hmm. Football was perfect for me. I loved it. I wasn't that good. I just was small and sort mm-hmm. of fearless. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, graduated high school, picked, and I was working a bunch of different jobs. One of the jobs I was working was a, I was a, um, a, a teacher of four-year-olds, like after-school teacher at a place called Kinder Care. It's like mm-hmm. a, you know just the after school. I mean, it's an all day program, right? but I specifically was doing the after school program. So I'd leave high school and I'd go down to kinder care and I teach 21 four year olds, whatever the heck I wanted to teach them, which is crazy. Wow. That is, crazy. but it was really fun. Yeah. One of my other best friends, um, he worked there as well. And so we just had a lot of fun. I mean, we would, you know, make up a bunch of games. And anyway, the reason I bring that up is that I was slotted to go to college. And then my sister, my, my, my oldest, well, let's see, second in line, mm-hmm. Rachel, she got a record deal when she was 14 um, here in Nashville. Uh-huh. Um, and she's an amazing singer. And uh, her manager said, hey, do you want to road manage your sister? And I thought, sure. I don't know what that is, but why not? And so I, we did it during the summer. And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then she said, uh, her Rachel's manager said, hey, do you want to keep doing this? There's another tour. So I went back to kinder care. I was working at kinder care and traveling on the road a little bit. And one of my favorite students, her name is Malika. She's like a little four-year-old. And we would have this Ryan and Malika time. We'd sit mm-hmm. at her little table. And so I asked her, like, hey, you know, what should I do? Should I go travel with my sister or go to college? She's like, let me ask God, and I'll come back to you tomorrow. 
I was like, perfect. I literally put the future of my life, you know, at that point. Right. <laughs> in a four-year, because right. I, was, I was torn, you know. I'd have, like, meetings with friends and mentors and, like, I don't know. I just couldn't come up with a good yeah. reason to do either, you know. Um, wasn't excited about college, but right. what else, what else right. are you going to do, right. you know. So um, came back the next day. Couldn't wait for Ryan and Malika time. We sat down. I said, hey, what did God say? She said, oh, yeah. He, he said, and this, it's incredible how specific she was. She said, God said that you can't take, you can take care of your sister like no one else can in the world. And so you should go do that. Mm. And I thought, no way. I, I, I thought about that for a moment. Like, yeah, I, I guess I can. And then it all kind of dawned on me. Like, I don't want to go to college. Especially, you know, a bunch of my friends right. are just going to go party. You had enough weed. apples, right? Yeah, totally. I had enough apples, <laughs> for sure. And I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to, you know. And then I said, well, and then she said, uh, well, if you travel on the road, do you have, are you going to still work here? Are you still going to hang out with me? And I was like, well, I'm going to have to quit. And she's like, actually, you should go to college. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, that's funny. So, uh, yeah. Unlo- so she answered know. it unbiased. Yeah, first, totally, right? totally, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then, so, yeah, jumped out on the road. Uh, and I still didn't know. I still don't know. But I, I was like 18 and I was like, all right, let's just go out and learn the hard way in the music business. So I still work in the music business now. Yeah. Um, I work with my sister from time to time, but not. Had y'all come time. to Nashville a few times prior yeah. to that? No. Okay. I knew nothing about Nashville. I mean, I'm assuming she probably had a few times, right? Yeah. Here and there, you know, yeah. but not a ton. I mean, as much as like my parents were like, yeah, go on ahead. I mean, we came out here and we lived in hotels. Mm-hmm. We drove her car out here, so we had one car. We had all of our stuff in the back of her yellow Xterra. Now, was she the second and after you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's, yeah, man. And she's still singing, and I'm still working in the music business. Yeah. I'm thankful for that opportunity, for sure. I mean, it formed me tremendously. Did you have a lot of music in your in your uh, house? Yeah, or? we always had music playing. I mean, my mom, she sang all through college, and she sang at church and everything. Um, we always had music going on. I mean, yeah, I would go to garage sales as a kid and buy speakers. And What'd your dad do? Um, he was a nurse. Okay. So both my parents were nurses early on in life, and then mom wanted to stay home with us kids, and so he continued being a nurse. He literally just retired, like, months ago. Okay. Um, he's 73. Where do they live? Colorado. They still yeah, live there, still and there. all their families here. Yeah, it's crazy. All the kids are here, yeah. Yeah. All four kids. Well, all kids, yeah. Yeah. Never yeah, no, no no interest. They had enough. Uh, you, of you know they talk about it, but yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. their lives are in Colorado. They're both remarried. Yeah. Uh, they split okay. up when, when okay. late in high school for gotcha. me when I was about seventeen or so. I think it's funny. I, I can't recall exactly what age I was when that right happened. right. But they uh, yeah they split and they they've gotten remarried. Um, and yeah they they have their lives out there and they're doing yeah. Their thing. And, and Colorado is beautiful. Oh you know. I love that. Do you go back? Visit. Do you ski much? Go back skiing? Man, I wish I could <coughs> skied more than I do now. I mean, it's been years. I loved it, though. Snowboarding was, uh, I just came alive out there with snowboarding. I just haven't had the opportunity. And now that we have kids, it's just tough. It's tough to well, do. It's a bigger well, sacrifice. Well, you need to, uh, We've. I've gone the last, this would have been five years. Yeah. COVID messed that up for yeah. us. And uh, I go with uh, a friend slash lender I work with in the okay. business. And then he usually, uh, a buddy of his is, goes and so we'll go for like last year we went five days and four nights. Where you um, Went to Vail. Oh, went to Bragg. Love it. We've done like one time we did we did Beaver Creek. Mm-hmm. We did Aspen for a day. Like totally. oh man, it's just so beautiful. it's beautiful. Yeah. So I told him this year, and he's so funny because he's so he's so 
uncommittal, mm. you know. And we've gone like in April, and oh, it's crazy because wow. yeah. And so that's like, is there still going to be snow? Um, last or this April, last April, it the weather would have literally been exactly mirroring last year, which was a foot of snow like yeah. the day before. Yep, it would have been perfect. Yep. Um, and oh man, I, I miss because it it's just it's just so fun, man. It just is. to go and oh. just the environment you're in, and it's just so oh, relaxed. Yeah, everything and you watch, about it, man. Oh, yeah. So I, 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 we need to get a few more guys going. Yeah, like because we fly out early, catch a Southwest flight, oh, yeah. and get there at seven. Yeah. check in. You're on the slopes by eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, dude, I love it. I love ah, it, man. It's beautiful. I'm Jones. And, yeah, they're all closed now, right? Like, I don't know. I guess they were. They did. Yeah. Hopefully they're open. Yeah, by this. I mean they got they they got to be. Yeah. You know, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Influence is defined as the capacity to have an effect on the character development. Or behavior of someone or something. Who are a few people that come to mind that would define that for you? Mm-hmm. Well, um, a few folks come to mind. I had a lot of voices in my 20s from older men, and I'm super thankful for that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really intentional. I mean, I think God was just kind to have put good men in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I you know I said I worked in the music business, and um, you know I worked with Rachel, my sister, for for quite a while, and then uh, another artist named Toby Mac called and said, "Hey, do you want to work for me as well?" and and uh, and so I jumped on the road with him, and unbeknownst to me, I didn't realize that that was going to be like the formation for me as a young man. Mm-hmm. So I was I was young, and I was way too young to have been hired for that job. <laughs> I was 23 or 22 years old and and uh and he was just coming off of like a dc talk yeah you know the dc talk thing and he had done his first record and and so it was just so exciting and fun and the show was so much fun and i loved mixing um front of house like so i mixed front mm-hmm. of house for my sister as well and i i just loved it and it was so much fun to mix for him um <coughs> But the exposure that I got to, you know, to Toby and his team, you know, his manager, Dan, his, uh, his other manager, Lori, and just the rest of the band, like he mm-hmm. has had incredible favor <coughs> of like having such good people around. And so, yeah, I, um, I will definitely say Toby and, and that particular team were super influential to me. Mm-hmm. I got to see, you know, I was 22, 23 years old and I got to see, you know, a lot of men were like, you know, five, 10, maybe 15 years older than me, you know, in, 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 in different places of life. I was still single, just bing bonging through life, spending money how I wanted to spend it. Mm-hmm. And I got to see fathers be fathers to their children. And I got to see, uh, you know, husband and wives, like how to do that. Right. And it was incredible. And I, I look back, I'm like, man, I was really spoiled to be able to see it because I, I realize now that's not normal right to to be exposed to really solid people mm-hmm. and so i i i would definitely say that that's probably some of the biggest influences that i've had in my 20s was that that group so yeah. and you were doing the managing or so i was tour manager okay production manager front of house was technically my front of house yeah so that's like when you the, the guy that stands at the console out okay. in the middle of the crowd oh, yeah, and, yeah yeah and okay yeah mixes all the instruments oh, nice. for the concert yeah it's a really fun, fun job did you, and and, and you just learned it on the oh, man, fly, right? Totally. I mean, I was a DJ through high school. Okay. This other guy named James, he uh, 
he just I was he was DJing one of our dances as like a middle school kid and I was like hey what's that button do and mm -hmm. what does that thing do and he's like just come over here and help me carry the records and so him and another guy Eddie they would just let me help them and I was really I loved electronics and stuff like mm -hmm. I used to say I used to go to garage sales and like buy speakers and so okay my room literally had like eight different speakers and I just wire them all together and I had this super loud sound system always now how about in your ride did you hook up some oh sub totally. what'd you have in that oh, I had like a I had an 18 inch sub in there <laughs> I mean it was stupid the way that and I you know I didn't have any money to spend it all on snowboarding but like I actually made a lot of money in high school, believe okay. it or not, um, DJing. I mean, okay. it was stupid. Because, like, once you kind of establish yourself as a yeah. DJ in the area, every wedding and bar mitzvah uh, or whatever, at homecomings, like, you can charge $300 an hour and, and DJ for four hours. I'd walk away with $1,200 wow. cash as a high school kid. Heck, yeah. Isn't wow. that crazy? Yeah. yeah. So, I, I don't know. Through the weekend, I would do that, and I worked at, like, a Mexican restaurant in the daycare. And so I just was super busy, yeah. but I would spend all the money on snowboarding. So what kind of car did you drive? <laughs> I drove a Dodge Daytona, 1982 Dodge Daytona. Yeah, that's what that, that uh, it was just. It's like a hatchback. Yeah, yeah. I, almost like, bought, I almost bought one really? of those. I yeah, did. it looks like yeah. a 5.0, you know. It's so like you, had, you had an 18-inch in the oh, back yeah, of that. Oh, yeah, it filled the whole trunk. I mean, that was <laughs> that's all I had. I mean, it was a home speaker, too, and I just took all the oh, other elements funny, out really? of it, okay. and I ported it, and I, like, made a crossover out of copper wire. I mean, it was... I mean, it could have catch on fire at any right, point, right. but it was really fun. I had a, I had a, <laughs> a little Mazda B twenty two hundred pickup. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I had to, had to back drop an inch. Had my oh, five star wow. wheels, so I'm I'm forty. I'll be forty four this year, so a yeah. little older. But Mazdas might have been in a little bit yeah, still. Totally. And uh, and I obviously didn't have much room in there, but I had two. Uh, I built the boxes, so that was probably some of some of my first, you know handyman stuff yeah you know? sure built the boxes um had two jl jl audio oh, eight yeah. inch wolfers so oh, not yeah. that big but man they hit oh yeah they hit good oh yeah a couple amps Punchy, tweeters man. in there absolutely um <laughs> actually I, I i got out of the car the other day and uh, me and my my friend sergio arce who mm. is a um he's a pastor now uh, uh madison church oh, okay yeah. and uh he gets out i'm jamming my radio he's jamming his radio we get out and i'm like what you listen to he's like what did he say? I thought he said eagle. Fly like an eagle. I thought he said eagles. <laughs> yeah. And anyways, Lauren Daigle. Oh, I, was like, I was like, oh, man. I said, I'm blasting some Tupac. Oh, <laughs> He's like, funny, dude, that's terrible, man. <laughs> I said, I said, man, guy, he, his voice, though, he, yeah. oh, man, he could rap. Oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah, man. And I mean, it, it was all about the bass, man. Oh, absolutely, for me. Man. And I'm still absolutely. like that. That has uh, 10 speakers in it. Does it? Yeah. yeah. And it will... It'll, 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 it's got a Dude, side. My, yeah, it'll our minivan, bump, man. Our minivan's got a nice system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. I mean, you do have a lot of room. Do you ever desire to put some wolfers oh, in the back no, of man. it? We got too many strollers <laughs> and freaking wagons. And, yeah. uh, all right, so so uh, shout out your favorite restaurant, favorite nonprofit, and why? Oh, gosh. Um, man, I on the east side here, you know, we live in Inglewood, so like Gallatin is like the main artery. Mm -hmm. I love that there's new stuff that pops up all the time, especially right now. I mean, it's really sad to see some of our friends that are just suffering in the restaurant business. Yeah. Um, but there's some, been some really cool restaurants that have <coughs> popped up. One in particular, I, I mean, I think it, and it's funny, you know, I was mentioning the, uh, the Mexican restaurant just a moment ago that I used to work at in Colorado. Yeah. There's a guy named Brian Weaver that I washed dishes with. And then he moved up to like a line cook and, 
I was trying to be Brian Weaver and to be a line cook, but they would only let me do the desserts. Okay. And then if they really needed help, they put me on the line. Right. I don't know what. Maybe I was too young. Right, right. Maybe I was terrible. Or maybe I was a really good dishwasher. Yeah. Anyway, Brian Weaver, awesome dude. Lost touch with him. And then on Facebook, you know, a few years ago, he pops up. And I was like, oh, you moved to Nashville. What's going on? And he's like, oh, I'm doing some restaurant stuff. And by doing some restaurant stuff, like, meaning he's a restaurateur. And, mm. like, he opens restaurants. Oh, okay, cool. So he opened up a, a restaurant called Butcher and the Bee. And then he opened uh, up yeah, another. Actually, yeah, actually, I don't know. If, well, I think we ate there once. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's another one in Charleston that we actually ate at when Christina went to Charleston. It was awesome. And he helped with that one. Cool. He uh, built this one here. And then... He built another one called the Red Redheaded Stranger. Okay. And I, I think, is that here or where's that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just right over here on the east side. Now does and he does he own them or is he yeah. just okay? Owns, operates. Wow. Yeah. Head chef. I mean, he's the dude. And uh, dude, I'm telling you, it's the best tacos in town. Really? Yeah. I I mean, I love tacos and I love to like. And that was which one? What's it called? It's called Redheaded Stranger. Okay. Yeah. It's awesome, man. I mean, and they're still open during the COVID yeah. thing and. I mean, I would go there at least. I'm going there actually this afternoon mm. with a buddy. So, um, redheaded stranger. I mean, as far as like a you know regular common restaurant. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, for the splurge, Christy and I like to go to Ra- Rolf and Daughters mm-hmm. here in town. Mm-hmm. But redheaded stranger, man, I'll, okay. I'll eat there any day, <clears throat> any meal. Well, my wife, she loves getting out of Mount Juliet, you know. Mm. And so we uh, we went to uh, went and had some crepes yesterday mm-hmm. in uh, Brentwood. But that'll be one we'll have to try because now try. we have the freedom of well for now it's tuesday and thursday yeah you know? there you it's go like, hey, let's go and go do something, something man so i have to try that Dreadhead and did you know are they on the uh the nashville i don't know nashville scene tour or whatever where mm. a lot of the mexican restaurants from the 27th through the fourth mm. they're doing six dollar margarita and two tacos really like all the mexican there's like there's like Looked like there was probably ten or fifteen really? that were in the list. So not yeah. all of them, but we'll find out maybe this afternoon for a week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Man. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> you said favorite nonprofit. nonprofit. Yeah, I love International Justice Mission. Okay, I mean other than the nonprofit that I work with, yes, loving Nashville, yes. obviously, and we'll talk about that. In a yeah, minute. but International Justice Mission, um, the executive director, CEO Gary Haugen is just. He's a he's a kind of leader and guy that I I trust and I would want to follow. And mm-hmm. so to be honest, like on tough days on the road, I mean I haven't told Toby this, but on tough days on the road, I would look at IJM's website for job listings. Mm. Um, they work in in child trafficking across okay. the world, um, and they're very systematic. You know, they don't just work with the victims, which that's their primary goal, but they work with the victims, and their captors, and local law enforcement, and the, the whole the whole thing looking mm-hmm. for for complete restoration of that entire relationship but i'm like wow wow that i mean it's really impactful when i started to read deeper into that so i wanted to get involved but i mean all their jobs <laughs> then they have like prerequisites of you have to have military or police mm. you know experience and you ever follow um tim ballard no I don't know he's him. uh underground underground project um he they do like they'll go to haiti oh, and different wow. places yeah. and like for the trafficking and stuff yeah. yeah there's been a lot of stuff in the news lately of nashville just with our growth yeah. have you seen any of it yeah. did you catch any of mm-hmm. it um i haven't read all the articles but yeah. yeah yeah um all right cool yeah cool all right so what was going through your mind when you stepped out of your comfort zone to meet sarge and ron for the mm. first time <laughs> yeah so Sarge and Ron, they uh, 
they were living on a stoop outside of my house. So you can imagine this. My house, I lived in a carriage house in an alley <laughs> downtown off of West End. So out of, out of my front door across the, um, the alley was a, a house that was condemned. The porch is where they lived. And so I thought, well, at first I was like, I don't want to talk to them because right, I don't want to break down that barrier that I already have of where I just kind of ignore them and mm-hmm. don't, you know, I am, I'm over here, you're doing your thing over there. I'm super selfish at the time. And I, I don't know, just self-absorbed. And I was like, I don't want to break that down because I have an idea, you know, in the Bible it tells me to do all kinds of crazy things for the poor. So I don't necessarily want to do that just yet. And I don't want to feel guilty right. when I get to know them as human beings. I very much was like, mm-mm. And then... I had a buddy who was working with me and we used to work out of the house at times and do some office hours. And he's like, dude, we got to go talk to them. We got to go meet them. And I'm like, no, man, I don't want to do that. I was like, you live in Franklin, you know, like you have mm-hmm. a barrier. This is my front yard. You know, he's like, all right, I'm going over there to say hi. And I thought, Dah. so I went with them and we sat down and got to know them as human beings. Mm-hmm. And at first it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. These guys are kind of, these are great. I mean, really great story. Like they, Ron and Sarge, they actually served, I think it was the Vietnam War. They served in the Vietnam War together, lost touch with each other, and found each other on the streets of Nashville. So then they were like, we're just going to look oh, after wow. each other. Uh, that's great. Yeah, older guys, you know. Um, Ron is the guy that actually I got to know a lot more because they ended up demolishing the house. Mm. So Sarge, I didn't see a whole lot, but I saw Ron all the time. He'd come by and, you know, he would bring little stuffed animals for that buddy I was telling you about just a minute ago. Um, he had kids at the time, so he still does have kids. But he um, would bring little stuffed animals that he would buy at Goodwill and said, hey, can you give these to Mr. Sean? And I was mm. like, man, absolutely. And uh, so I had an idea, you know, to say, like, hey, I want to um, uh, change this guy's life, you know. Mm. So I'd been exposed to, like, Compassion International World Vision. So I had this, like, sort of, like, idea to go, like, I want to sponsor this guy. <laughs> yes, I told, I got went to the bank and I got a hundred dollars worth of five dollar bills, and so I told him I was like, "All right, dude, here's the deal. You can come back anytime. I'm gonna give you a five dollar bill, and as long as you exchange a receipt that says you bought food or water, then I'll give you another five dollar bill." And I was like, "This is gonna be the best deal ever," <laughs> right. and he uh, and he slammed my front door in my own face, which is super awkward, and I, I was just dumbfounded, like. I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on. And I just spent like a week or two thinking like, what did I just do? Right. And I, I, I'd see the guy every other day and he didn't come by for two weeks. And I was like, man, shoot, I, I jacked something up. He came by about two weeks later and I was like, Ron, what happened? Like, what, what's up? And he's like, man, you think that uh, your little program is going to change my hurt in my heart my alcoholism my state of homelessness you think that's gonna fix me you've completely got it all wrong i was just coming here to be your friend and i i just was like oh my gosh and so he left gently shut the door and it was one of those moments i don't know if you've ever experienced this but i just kind of hit my knees like Mm. i really like missed something so it was for me for as a time of prayer to be like god i missed something can you show me what I'm missing because mm-hmm. I obviously don't know how to love. That was exactly like my mm-hmm. prayer. And, um, so then God showed me. So I don't know. It's a little bit farther than what you asked your question. No, but. no. I, knew, I I recalled that being a good story. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so when I said that prayer, it was like the weirdest thing started happening. I mean, like I went to go visit a friend 
at a church down in downtown and I was leaving, it was an evening service and I was leaving and a guy said, Hey, can I sing you a song? Like just as I was walking to my car and I'm like, okay. So I sat down on the curb and this guy was stomping and clapping, singing me a song about redemption and forgiveness. And I was like, Whoa, that was awesome, man. Like, where, where'd you write that? He's like, Oh, I wrote it in jail. It's like, okay, that's awesome, man. So what's, what are you doing tonight? He's like, well, I just got released out of jail. I was wrongfully accused, but my mom still thinks that I did mm. the offense. She won't let me back in the house. So I'm kind of homeless right now. I thought, well, dude, let me uh, help you. What can I do to help? He's like, I don't need any help. I'll figure it out. I got it. And I, and he walked off. He's like, I just wanted to share that song with you. And I thought, okay. And then another, you know, no, honestly, honestly, God, a few days later, I was walking down downtown. I was getting a tie on Broadway, which there's like a store on Broadway. I wouldn't go get a tie now on Broadway. Mm-hmm. But at the time, there was a store down there. American Apparel or something. I had to get a skinny tie. Those things mm-hmm. were in. Remember? Right, right. Maybe they're still in. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. so I went down to get a skinny tie, and this guy grabs me. He goes, hey, take me out to dinner. I'm like, okay. I was like, do we know each other? He's like, no. So I was like, what are you feeling like? He's like, that barbecue joint. <laughs> so he went into the barbecue joint, sat down. He ordered, like, the biggest platter he could get, and he just scarfed it. And I'm just sitting there eating dinner with this guy. And I'm like, okay, so what's your story? So he told me a story about he's living on the streets. He got stuck in Nashville. He's on his way from New York to Florida. And he's just stuck. Mm-hmm. He's like, I got a house up there. I got a car. I'm just stuck. I don't, I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I, I don't even know what to tell you. He's like, don't worry about it. I'll figure it out. I'm still figure it out. And he said, like, thanks for dinner. See you later. And there was just little kind of instances mm-hmm. through that season. And I was like, oh, shoot. That was that prayer. And God's teaching me the humanity mm-hmm. of people. And that I had a bias like i was saying earlier had a bias of what i thought homelessness was right and it had nothing to do with (laughs) what i saw did you and ron connect were y'all yeah yeah we can continue to connect um he sought resources um you know through uh, you know addiction resources Mm -hmm. and and you know i i kind of lost touch with him over time um but there was a moment where he was like okay i'm seeking help he had a drinking issue and mm-hmm. he was seeking help for that. And, and we got him synced up with a, a certain church that had like some folks that were like, Hey, we're going to look after him. We're going to mm-hmm. get him some food. And it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and so that fall, that, that Thanksgiving is when I just called a few friends and were like, Hey, it's about Thanksgiving. Let's, uh, let's make some Thanksgiving dinner and we'll bring it downtown. So it was mm-hmm. like Tuesday right. before Thursday. And so we didn't know how to cook. So we called our friend who was dating now married to, um, and that was in 2008 2008 that's what I got. Yeah, yeah 2008 that's yeah. right you did your research um 2008 and so yeah she uh she's like okay i'll cook and so we like watched football or something like mm-hmm. while she cooked and we packaged it all up in brown paper bags and brought it downtown a handful of us and that that moment really shifted us we got to meet five individuals that jacked us up mm. like stories of you know i mean meeting individuals uh you know high-functioning adults that are just like, yeah, super hungry, thanks. It was blistering cold, too, by the way, that November. And uh, and then we met another uh, gentleman who, um, yeah, communication, verbal communication was not an option. And it was, I remember distinctly just connecting with eyes and just kind of mm-hmm. like that emotion of mm-hmm. facial expression that was like, okay, there's a lot here. And, mm-hmm. I, and I just didn't know what mm-hmm. to do with that. And neither did any of us. So we went to... Um, a restaurant afterwards ordered pizza pizza came and we sat and we just couldn't eat it mm. 
and I knew inside my heart, one of those things was like, you got to do this regularly. And I was like, uh, I don't want to do this regularly. I'll do this once a month. So then I kind of brought it up to the table, like, guys, do you want to do this regularly? Like, yeah, we do. Like, you want to do this once a month? They're like, yeah, sure. And I thought, dang it. I, I know that's not right. I know we're probably supposed to do mm. this once a week. So I fought that for two months. We all did. We fought it for a few months. Uh, still working in the, in the music business at the time. Mm -hmm. And I had a interesting story and we don't have to go into this one, but New Year's Eve, I, um, was helping produce a, a New Year's Eve party, like a big New Year's Eve event. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I had an interesting business deal that I made a huge mistake on and I lost a bunch of money. <laughs> and it was like one of those wake up calls of like, Oh gosh, I'm good on coffee. Okay. Thank you. But I was like, man, okay. It was one of the, for me personally, it was like, okay, I surrender. Like, God, just tell me what to do. And he's like, I've been telling you what to do for the last two months. Serve the hungry mm -hmm. every single week. I'm like, fine. Somewhere, that's somewhere in the Bible too, right? Yeah, somewhere in there. So we, you know, New Year's Eve happened the first Monday after New Year's Eve. We're like, all right, let's just do it. Because we picked Mondays because we were all touring. Like, that mm -hmm. whole small group of people, we were all touring people. And Mondays, people rarely do concerts. We were always home. So... We jumped out on the on, on the streets of Nashville, and we fed five people, and then fed ten people, and then the next week fifteen, the next week twenty, and I remember the first time we did fifty, it was like, guys, we should do fifty meals. Mm -hmm. and we were like, no way. I learned that when you cook with a crock pot, that takes longer than twenty or thirty minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, learned that the hard way. Okay, <laughs> right, right, right. We were cooking out of a tiny little kitchen. Like I was saying, I lived in a carriage house. It was like we just went to my house and. I had two little burners, and it was, mm -hmm. it was hilarious how we were able to kick out so many meals out of that tiny kitchen. We'd have a lot. And then just friends. More friends started coming by. Had literally mosquitoes, like, flying through our house, and we're, like, packaging meals and folding clothes. And, and we would sit and pray together and serve folks on the streets and then come back to the house. Mm -hmm. We would put beans and rice up. It always comes back to Kenny for some reason. Mm. So I'll have to send this to Kenny. Yeah. But Kenny, um, we, we went with him to help uh, rebuild some houses in New Orleans. And I guess it's culture down there on Sundays to do your, what well, used to be like to do your laundry and you put beans and rice on so mm. you don't have to cook. So when you're done doing all the laundry all day, you just eat beans and rice because it's already ready. Mm. I was like, we should bring that to, to our little thing. Yeah. So we did beans and rice in crock pots all day yeah not 30 minutes and we would eat beans and rice and eat french bread and talk about the poor and how we can uh, love them better and how our experiences were impacting us mm -hmm. so it's just a really interesting community of about 20 or 30 people that we were like what is happening i guess we'll just continue doing this and now here we are 12 years 12 years later, 12 years later. Yeah. yeah 12 years this year where's this kenny summer. live he's in colorado he's still there yeah um yeah. all right so share a few stories that come to mind about some of the homeless people you have met mm. uh man let's see here we so over 12 years um there are a few gentlemen that and women that we've known for quite a while one in particular, uh, his name is Carl. Um, <laughs> we we kind of yeah, I I call him like one of our OGs. You know, he's just he's been around for a long time, and uh, I remember some of the first conversations that we would have while we were down there. 
And, you know, when you come in, when you get exposed to a bunch of different folks that are walking through a bunch of different things, my personality when I, you know, when I was younger, maybe it's parts of my personality now were like, all right, how do I fix this? Mm -hmm. And how do I fix Mm -hmm. you? And he was some of the first folks that would be like, hey, man, you know, you'd think that I would have learned the lesson with Ron. Right. But I didn't. And Carl would be like, dude, man, chill. I mean, he's just an easygoing dude. <laughs> Real tall. He's like twice as tall as me. And so every time we hug, it's like I hug his chest. But right. he's, he's one of those dudes. He's like, man, just chill. Let's talk about the Broncos, man. He's a Kansas City Chiefs fan. So it was fun. We could yeah. share football together right. as opposed to like, okay, so let's get your finances straight. You know, mm-hmm. and so over, you know, I've probably known him about 10 years and over the 10 years. Yeah. I mean, he's a gentleman that navigates life as best as he possibly can. And the peace that he has is incredible. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had to weather so many different things, especially here in Nashville. And I've realized that, you know, for some and for a lot of people getting off of the streets into a home is the goal. Mm-hmm. That's the goal, and uh, for others, that's not necessarily the goal. Right, and it could be a myriad of reasons why. So then we were like, so I'd ask myself, you know, like, well, what is the goal? And that's an interesting thing to think about, because like you know, if we're taking Christian standards, is that the goal? Uh, to just get somebody off the streets and into a home. And honestly, like my answer right now would be like, well. The goal is to love mm-hmm. as best as possible. Mm-hmm. The goal is to, you know, in right time to introduce, you know, the, the truth of the gospel, you know. Mm-hmm. But if that's already established, we're like, yeah, we'll see you in heaven. Cool. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, housing right now is not an option. Okay, cool. So what's the goal? Mm-hmm. And I really do feel like it's to be one. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a prayer in, in, that Jesus had in John that said, you know, his prayer was that for all of us to be one with him and one with each other, just as Jesus is one with God. So if you think about that, like if Jesus is God's son, like that mm-hmm. relationship, he wants that same oneness for us here on earth. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And if that's a prayer of the guy that we're following, whoa, how do we participate in that? So that's always been impactful, and it still is. I still mm-hmm. see Carl every Monday, and we talk about the Broncos, talk about the Chiefs. We talk about whatever, whatever's happening, and we find a place of being one. And now there's you know, there's plenty of folks that will be like, well, what are you doing to help him? Right. I'm like, well, what is he, exactly does he need help with? You know. Well, it's an interesting thought because, you know, going to a couple mission trips, you go mm-hmm. there, and you see the environment they live in, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, how do they do that? You feel so bad for them. But mm-hmm. then there's a part that's like, well, I mean, they seem happy. I yeah. mean, the kids are playing and mm-hmm. this and that, and even though they don't have a bunch of Legos or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just an interesting thought how we can jump to going, all right, man, yeah, I want them to live the life I live. How can sure. I help that? Versus <laughs> totally. going, let's just be here with them. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so... Even thinking about like people that would come out of prison, you mm-hmm. know, they've created their network, their friends, you know, mm-hmm. people to lean on. And then, you know, it could be easy to go, I want to pull them out of that environment, yeah. but maybe they like it. Maybe there's a, a freedom or independence. Yeah. And obviously, and maybe this it's isn't just speaking time. for 
Yeah, everyone, but yeah, but I think that's kind of where you're saying is like you got to be sensitive to that. You yeah. you could immediately want to. I mean, I think about marriage. You know, mm. like I uh, I I have all the solutions for any issue we have, mm-hmm. and I had rather try to fix it than listen to my wife. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so there is that natural tendency Absolutely. to be like logic yeah. going. That doesn't make sense, man. I got I got this. Why would you not want to do that? Right. You know? Exactly. Like, yeah. Like no, if you only no. just do or, these things, yeah, and and yeah, all their story up to that point, mm. you know, for someone just to jump in and go, "Hey, man, I got some solutions for you." Mm. It's like, I don't know you, I don't trust yeah. you. Oh, why would yeah. I jump on board with you? Absolutely, you know? yeah. And that's one thing that with people living Nashville that we've sort of stumbled into, and we realize it now, and we take it very seriously is is the community aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Is that you know we're none of us currently are like trained schooled caseworkers mm-hmm. you know we want to move into that now right, which right. is interesting you know that's a huge change from last year is that we actually want to enter in and offer that uh but it's through community it's through knowing like i know your story i i, I know where you're from i know your favorite football team mm-hmm. i know what your breath smells like you know at seven o'clock mm-hmm. on mondays you know it smells like coffee you right. drink coffee for some reason you drink coffee and i know it I know what 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 jazzes you up and I know what takes you down. And to be able to have community behind folks like positive community like what I was talking about with Toby um in the group of folks that I got to be surrounded uh, by for about 15 years mm-hmm. was so pivotal for me. But if I didn't have that and having to navigate all of the um the rough parts of life if I didn't have that, and then on top of that, if I had negative community, folks that would just want to try to pull me down or right. discourage me, like, come on, man, like, what what in the world? Like, of course, folks might be falling into tough times. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I have folks that, you know, that live in housing, and they have all the money in the world, and they're still running around tough times, too. And and, and it, it can be super challenging without that community aspect. Mm-hmm. And so with people living Nashville, we take that very seriously, and we try to foster as much community as possible. But now, you know, building with that to say, hey, we're buds. Mm-hmm. Let me introduce you to one of our buds and right. work together. Right. If that's what the next step is for you, if you want to get into housing, if you want to get into employment, if you want to get into counseling, if you want to get into a program, if you want to talk to somebody that can possibly take steps, we're not going anywhere. Right. It's not like, right. here, you take this guy. It's not that at all. Because the platform of Monday nights, now we're serving, you know, two to 400 people, depending mm-hmm. on the season. Per night, you know, on Mondays. It's incredible. We've been able to jump into the camps now. There's a bunch of camps that were underserved uh, during COVID. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, the ways of income were extremely decreased. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other food pantries and other outreaches were just shut down or li- working at limited capacity. Because there's a good amount of people, mm-hmm. even up towards, you know, where you live, Mount mm-hmm. Juliet over there, Hermitage, Donaldson. Like folks that were living in camps, surviving, you know, weren't able to survive so we were we were able to locate them through a communication mm-hmm. a network uh of agencies here in town and uh and just being community to them right and the and the, sh- the the sheer goal is to what bring food to the hungry give clothing to those who need clothing drink to those that are thirsty mm-hmm. and then also participating in that prayer of let's let's be one with mm-hmm. the poor and those that are in need we'll, we'll sit here and we know you we know your diet. Mm-hmm. We know that you're trying to live a veg- vegetarian life because that's better for your body, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, I mean, that's crazy to be like, wow, you can be so picky living on the streets right, being a vegetarian. Right, right. It's like, 
Yeah. Like, if it's destroying your body, absolutely. Right, You can right. do the best that you can. Um, so, anyway, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. I know I'm kind of yeah. rambling. No, it does. All right, so expound on something you noted. My generosity had become wrapped up in conditions um, and good intentions, but was I really trying to accomplish? What was I really trying to accomplish? Mm-hmm. I wanted to make a difference and change a life, but was I really doing that? Which we kind of talked about that. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and it, it, it kind of co- always comes back to, like, what's the goal? Mm-hmm. You know, and the goal changes, I think, for, for certain people. I know that right now there's a particular family that I'm not going to share too many details about it because it's very sensitive, but there's a particular family that I'm like, ugh, if you just follow this plan then you will have housing, you'll have employment, and you'll have all of these resources. But the expectation that I have on them to be able to just like shift their life out of trauma mm-hmm. and just follow this plan, I mean, it's a tall order for some people. So it would be a tall order for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna move you out of the city that you knew and I'm gonna plop you into this city. I'm gonna give you an apartment, work on getting employment, talk about counseling. And it's like, oh my gosh, like that's run. And not to mention that they had a baby in the middle of all this. Mm. Because we never turn a blind eye at all with folks that are pregnant on the streets or if they have children on the streets. Like mm-hmm. We just, it doesn't matter. Like we are 100% in and we work feverishly to try to get other resources and wrap around them as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like what is the goal? And so I'm, I'm faced with this question right now. I'm mm-hmm. sitting here frustrated going, oh, we've worked so hard to get them into a stabilized place. Because we do feel that way. If somebody wants to stabilize their life, one of the key factor, if not the most influential factor is having shelter, like right. actual shelter, right. um, is the most stabilizing factor for like us as human beings, you know? And sometimes for folks, it's like, I just need a tent, but that's not sustainable mostly in a lot of mm-hmm. urban areas. Like a tent won't do it for t- all too long. You know what I mean? So an apartment or a shared living situation. Mm-hmm. And so we are, or exploring that um, and and wanting to expand into that in 2021, I would say we're way past exploring it. We've decided Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we're going to participate in this. And it really just comes down to funding how deep we get into doing it. We have a plan. We have partnerships. Everything's ready to go. But again, comes back to your question. I really feel that it's important for us to continually say, what's the goal here? What's the goal? What's the goal? Mm -hmm. Because I have stories from years ago, and I could tell you probably why this this became the story, but we worked as a young organization to get a particular family off the streets and into housing. And so we worked to, actually, they, they preferred to be on some property south of here, uh, mobile home. That's what mm-hmm. they wanted to do. We're like, all right, you want to do that? Let's ba- band together and we'll do this. And we got them a mobile home. It was awesome. Moved them in. We should have taken a picture, cut the red tape, put it on the website, right? right? right. We didn't. And thank, thankfully, we didn't. Not that I don't want to, um, you know, speak badly about this particular family, but that process was really fast. And we went and visited them, you know, a month later, and, and, and things were tough mm. for them. Mm. They, again, outside of their community, um, lack of a kind of surrounding um, resources and support. Mm-hmm. And the community aspect was completely taken away. Right. Though that's what they wanted. We were like supporting what they wanted. It's right. like, oh, wow. So they, I mean, they're fine now. They're good. But like for that season, I was like, wait a second. What's the goal here? Mm-hmm. What's the goal? And it could look a lot different. But I really do feel that following that, that, that oneness, that, that camaraderie, um, linking arms and at times with 
you know, with, 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 with proper relationship, you know, mm-hmm. bearing burdens for each other mm-hmm. as community. I feel like that's the goal because that sort of covers a lot of different things. And I really would throw that up against anybody's philosophies. I think that community is much more sustainable at times than, you know, full wraparound services because community, when you have somebody that's like, okay, I'm going to these classes for whatever I'm doing, but I just need to talk to my, my buddy, mm-hmm. my dude, I mm-hmm. just got to talk mm-hmm. to him. Like it's, it's priceless. Yeah. It's priceless. Right. And I know a lot of folks that we're serving. It's not just that there's not good community, but it's replaced with really challenging community and, and, and unstable and at times really destructive and negative community. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's like, oh my gosh, like that's really tough when you're trying to claw yeah. your way out yeah. of a hole at times. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure it's easy too to be like, you know, because you think about that, it's like, hey, I want this. You got a lot of, you change a lot of stuff on the surface, mm-hmm. behavior modification. Um, but then you still got all these layers within. Oh, yeah. And we all have them. Yeah, we do. It's yeah. not like, it's not <clears> like <throat> you sure, know, you live on the streets so. and you're like, yeah, no. I'll tell you this. Like, <laughs> I meet more people that I'm like, oh, my gosh, we are much more similar mm-hmm. than I thought. And that was like the first few years of this. I'm much more similar than I thought. Now, there's fundamental differences, and I don't want to ignore those either. Right. There's right, a lot of people right. that experience a lot of oppression and a lot of systems that have failed mm-hmm. to, uh, to actually, no, they've been very successful in making it hard <laughs> right. to, 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 to stabilize. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's certain systems, it's like, oh my gosh, if you zoom out, you're like, oh my gosh, like that's incredible um, odds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not impossible uh, for people, mm-hmm. but it's tough. And so realizing those, identifying those, and, and walking with those that are walking that are journeying through that super important yeah it's super important yeah i think the consistency of two of being there well that's what i was just thinking i'm like you know you got these people you put on pedestals mm-hmm. you know who are on tv or mm-hmm. ready or whatever and then you got you or me and then you have people homeless mm-hmm. like you know it's easy to throw them in different layers but the reality is it's like god wants it all to be equal yeah, you know yeah. and we all have very just like in a marriage you know it's like man why do we have why do i have difficult time being unconditionally loving, mm. you know, um, or why does she deal with this? I was like, well, you now look at all those layers that were yeah. influencing you mm-hmm. as a kid, mm-hmm. and you bring, you know, what I mean, oh. we all have so many, yeah, different. We things, can involve you know? a lot of grace for ourselves, yeah, but also not stopping <clears throat> there. Have grace, but if we're being led down a a, a place of I don't know, maturation or, mm-hmm. or, or growth, especially in a marriage situation or even just with friends. It's like, whoa, we're not, I guess we're not done yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not done yet. Oh, yeah. yet. <laughs> all right. So let's, uh, so we talked all about people loving Nashville. How can mm-hmm. others get involved? Yeah. So, um, I mean, right now we are, it's been crazy. So the beginning of the virus, we've just cranked it up um, because we saw the need and we're like, all right, let's just identify the need and engage. Mm-hmm. So again, we were talking about those camps that we're reaching out to. Um, Monday nights are still going. Uh, we actually do an outreach to a low-income apartment apartment complex uh, here in Nashville as well on Thursdays. Okay. And so, and then on top of that, we're working with particular cases like the family I mentioned just a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've probably worked with about a handful of families over the past six months of just saying like, okay, 
there's some really great systems here in Nashville that assist with families and children. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's sometimes a waiting period because there's just a list. Right. And, you know, I, I think that the resources here are really great. Like these organizations are awesome. So we're partnering with these other agencies. And in that interim time, we just try to look after some folks, keep them alive, get some food, uh, shelter, community. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so all that to say, we have many opportunities to volunteer and to join with us financially. So mm-hmm. I've, as you can imagine, like paying for all this food, right. paying for the outreach workers, um, paying rent. Here. Are y'all still meeting Monday nights downtown? Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So we then, how did y'all stop that when COVID? No, okay, no. so because I mean, how could you? Really? Yeah, we we at first were like, uh, can we do this? Right. And so we had some relationships with city and state officials. Where we meet is a state uh, a state property. Right. So I immediately reached out to them, and they were like, actually, will you please continue? Mm, good. Because we were like, okay, yeah, I guess you're right. They're like, yeah. They're like, as far as outreaches, they were getting a bunch of calls saying like, Hey, we're going to shut down our operations. So they were actually saying, please, mm-hmm. please do it. So we dove in like, I mean, we pretty much had like surgical gear on at the beginning and mm-hmm. we still do. We still t- take it very seriously. We have right. a lot of social distancing policies, um, and like, you know, stanchions and tables and right, line management. Right, I mean, right. it actually really sharpened up our processes. So okay. it's, it's been really fruitful for us. But yeah, we, we haven't stopped doing that on Mondays. So all that to say, to get involved, you can go to peoplelovingnashville.com mm-hmm. and there's a there's a volunteer page. And you can get involved in any of these different outreaches. Um, one thing that's really exciting, and we haven't really unveiled this, but I'll just talk about it here really mm-hmm. quickly. Because I was thinking, I was having a conversation with, um, you know, a lot of folks here in Nashville because there's certain categories of folks that um, the resources are not, or they're inadequate for mm-hmm. them. There's just too many people, not enough agencies, not enough resources for mm-hmm. them. And, um, and that's for just individuals here in Nashville, individual folks that are experiencing homelessness. They, it's hard for them to receive the services that they need. And so I was like, okay, what's underutilized in our town and, and, and what can be leveraged? And so it's interesting, you work in real estate. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I thought is like, okay, I know a bunch of realtors and y'all are doing okay. Mm-hmm. Like that industry is okay right now. And I'm like, that's interesting. Cause there's a bunch of industries that aren't doing okay. I'm like, okay, well how do we, like if that's, if that's, that's flourishing, is there a way to possibly tap into uh, partnering with real estate agents mm-hmm. here in Nashville? And so this is just like the shameless mm-hmm. plug. Yeah. I'm literally just kind of planting the seed with friends here and there. I'd love to see if there's an opportunity to maybe even just bind together with, you know, a group of real estate agents mm-hmm. to be able to say, all right, yes, there is a bit of a housing crisis here. Affordable housing is just not available. And that those that are participating in this, in, in like in real estate can actually help. Right. And what that looks like is that, the number is pretty much this. It costs about $6,500 to get an individual from an encampment to into a house and to stabilize them if that's their wish. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's $6,500. I know that's a lot of money. But if we think about it, on the list right now, currently there's about 400 to 700 folks that are saying, yeah, I want to get off the streets and get into a home. That financially costs $6,500. Then on the operations side, all I feel like most real estate uh, agents have a team or have people mm-hmm. that can help in this placement. Right. And all it is is finding an apartment and saying, yes, we're willing to take 
a risk, so to say, mm-hmm. on, on getting somebody you know, on their feet and stabilizing them and working with an organization like us or other organizations here in town. Right. But we partner together as like, okay, you guys know the housing market. Maybe not the rental market, but you know the housing market. There's money to be leveraged. And there's a process that you guys know. Getting mm-hmm. people moved into homes, that's what you do. Right. There's paperwork. There's a process. There's approval. There's a relationship there. You know, finding, locating those things. So my thought is, it's very simple. Boil it down to this. I'd love to find some real estate agents that are willing to say, yeah, I'd love to do that. Mm-hmm. And if I find one real estate agent for one person, mm-hmm. we can start moving down the line, so to say, in placing people into homes. Mm-hmm or apartments or condos or whatever it might be. Right. All I need is one, just mm-hmm. one. And I, th- I would imagine that wouldn't be too tall of an order to ask one real estate agent to pair with one individual. Mm-hmm. So that's one side of it. The right. other side of it is that, you know, I'm a Christian and I, and I did some research uh, about how many churches are here in Nashville, like in greater Nashville. You know what the number is? No. 700. Wow. There's 700 churches in, in greater Nashville. It's like, those of that live in Nashville, they're like, yeah, I guess that's probably right, true. Right, <laughs> right. Churches everywhere. So, I, and I'm not sure how many are completely active and how right, many right. You know, members. Um, but let's just say that there's one small group per church right. that is like active and that they communicate, they still meet. And they're like, yeah, we want to take up what the Bible says about working with the poor. Mm-hmm. Think about this. Like the concept of like you, Andrew, having a board of directors, a group of people that's just looking after you. Mm-hmm. Maybe once a week touches base. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's, there's boundaries put around it, but they right. just, they call. Maybe you meet up every so often, check in as community. Mm-hmm. And that we use the Bible as navigation. I know it's kind of a gamble because it's like, okay, we're just throwing a bunch of random people at somebody right, that needs right. help. Wow, that sounds wild. Us as an organization, we want to take on... Um, helping with that Mm -hmm. tilling the soil of our minds and our souls to understand a little bit of the complexities of the poor Mm -hmm. but then also being a resource of saying like hey this isn't a financial support thing okay no money needs to be involved here no resources Mm -hmm. unless you want to buy them a gift or something right we're talking about straight community Mm -hmm. no money 20 minutes a week have this group maybe they meet up at a park or something or maybe it's just a phone call or it's a zoom whatever it might be so I look at these things, I'm like, those things are being underutilized. Right. Like the small groups of these churches, 700 churches. I bet I can find one, one small group per church, maybe. And maybe there's a few churches that can offer three or four or five. We only have 400. Yeah. 400 active that are looking for community. I'm telling you, I can't tell you <coughs> how many folks that we're helping, they say these very words. I, Ryan, I would love discipleship right now. I need discipleship. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. whoa. Okay, 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 you know. So anyway, those are the two things. And then another thing is, like, the music business is shut down. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of, like, movers and shakers, like, people that make concerts happen. Right. And they're sitting at home. Now, they've all, like, a lot of folks have, like, started their own businesses. Right. Like, their friend is, like, selling uh, cinnamon buns. or ci- Yeah, like, cinnamon rolls, sorry. Cinnamon rolls, and they're incredible, and he's killing it. But he's a roadie. Mm. Now he's a baker. It's crazy. So innovation's awesome. But. Well, that is what's cool because it. Uh, I mean, in a in a time like this, it does just kind of make you reflect and stop yeah. and think in different options. And well, and even like uh, you know, I go back to uh, Bob Goff and his first book, Love Does, mm-hmm. um, and how 
he was in a study in a group and he's like, All right, I'm tired of this Bible, yeah. Bible study. Let's do Bible doing. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. it's really <clears throat> it's really easy to just get in your comfort zone and be like, Oh, let's meet another Wednesday and yeah. talk about this. And it's, it's a wonderful like, thing to have community to do that, but there's more Right, but if you, you gotta want take it. it. You yeah, got, I mean it's like all right if you want it. Because some like, folks don't want that. And I get it. And you can well, just stay in that lane forever. But I think that's how <laughs> it is you know what you're doing is presenting it like look god does expect more like yeah. that's great you can be comfy but like yeah. if you really want to apply and be loving yeah and even being willing to yeah break down that that boundary and yeah. not be fearful what yeah and i like, would say you know? too like you know some may see that god expects us to do more i might see it as god provides more yeah right like he Good just point. provides it he's yes. like yeah yeah if you want it i mean you can just stay here if you want Right. You know, and then when you're 70 something, would you look back and go, dang it, I, w- I wonder if there was more. And I really do feel like God's like, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit more if you want it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to force it down your throat. Well, sometimes I think he does that right. for some right. of us. But I think for, for most of us, he's like, I'll offer it to you. I mean, it's all right here. It's spelled out in the Bible. Now, the hard thing is, though, is that you would ask me 10, 12 years ago, like, where do you get involved? I'd be like, I don't know. Right. And I don't even really know what the Bible says about serving the poor. Mm-hmm. At all. Even if you're, like, non-Christian. Like, right. It's just an interesting thing to see what Jesus would have said, like, one of the most influential figures of the entire world ever. Well, what does it, he it, say about the poor? But then isn't there somewhere in there where he talks about the, the widows and the home? Doesn't it? Yeah, there, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Look after the widows. Look yeah. after the orphans. Right. Look after those that are in prison. Visit those that are in the hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's sick. Absolutely. And, but again, they but it's, just love But then them. how? But how do you do that? Right. Like, uh, we just go down to the hospital, knock on the front door and say, hey, I'm here to be right. with the sick. Could be as easy as that. I think it really just starts with obedience and stewardship. Mm-hmm. You actually use what you have. Mm-hmm. And we all have time. Yeah. Yeah. Especially it might not seem that social way. Social media, <laughs> right? But I would say, like, we use what we have, like our current skills, our current relationship, our current money, our 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 jobs, our gr- a small group. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, how are you stewarding your small group? Like, are mm. you being a good right. steward of that? You know what I mean? Like, if you're if you're a gardener, you know, and mm. it's like, are you stewarding your soil well? Mm-hmm. You know, like, are you you know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. I think that that like it's an interesting thought to think, like, okay, well. Should I be all that surprised if I don't have much of a harvest if I haven't mm-hmm. tilled the soil, mm-hmm. stewarded it well? Ask right. the hard questions, do some diving, digging. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And I really do feel like God is really happy to answer that prayer of like, all right, God, where should I go? I think he's super happy to answer mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah, and then often he does, and we run from it. All right, yeah. so tell me a bit about Christy. Um, how yeah, did you man. meet for the first time and how... Actually, yeah. let me pause for a second. How much yeah. time you got? Um, I mean, we are going long. Oh, but it is a bit. Um, let me just double check. My phone. I just. Did you bring it in? I thought I did. Oh, it's in my pocket. Just want to check. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is why last time we were like yeah. long winded. Yeah. I don't know, maybe about twenty more minutes. I think. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Is that yeah, okay? Can, yep. That's good. Um, let me triple check. I just want to make sure. Yeah, 20 more minutes. I actually got a call at 11, so I'll have to like book okay. in like 20 minutes. But that's okay. Yep, perfect. All right, so, um, uh, all right, tell me a bit about Christy. How yeah. did you meet for the first time, and how did you propose? Um, yeah. How important is it to have a supportive wife? Oh, wow. So, I'll answer the last question first. Okay. It's very important. 
Um, and I think about that as far as like the term like supportive wife, like it's super important. Now I do feel like that it needs to be switched though. Um, to like your marriage needs to be a supportive marriage. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily like my wife is supportive of me and I'm supportive of her. Like there's, there needs to be a, a full relationship and reciprocal circular thing there. She is incredibly supportive, especially right now with my training, you know, like I'm getting up super early in the morning. She gets up with the kids right now. And that sounds superficial. I mean, it's something that I've chose to do and she wants to support that, but there's a full support that I feel from her as like a soul. And it doesn't look like she lets me do whatever I want. And it, she, it doesn't look like she lets me say or be whoever I want. Mm -hmm. The full support comes from saying, eh, I'm not so sure about that. And hey, we need to talk about that. That's a good That's point. full support. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. It's like, I think I just want to take away, like, right. I don't know. I think there's a lot you of... You don't like, want her to just be a cheerleader on the side. Going, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, right. there's a lot of... And I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm kind of wading into some interesting waters, but like there's kind of like a little bit of sexism I think that can happen in mm -hmm. that, like having a supportive wife, you know, a supportive husband. It's like, yeah. Um, but it doesn't, it shouldn't. And I, and I love that it's not, it would you, would you change that word? Yeah, I don't know. What would it be? I don't know what that would be. Um, I'd have to think about it. But no, that. that's a good point. You know, it it's is. just, yeah. I just don't, because yeah. to me, Cause she could be supportive and you're like, Hey honey, I'm about yeah. to go jump off this cliff and there's no water. And yeah. she's like, I love you, honey. Go yeah. for it. Or literally like, All I right. want to go do this. I want to go do that. I want to go do this. I want to go do that. And I love to fly fish. And you got you know, kids, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah. I could be, or I could work way too much, especially with working with the poor. I mean, you could really like say, well, honey, I'm working with the poor. I'm doing God's work. And I'm gonna work 12 hours a day. And she's like, yeah, but your mm -hmm. kids, you know, and I do feel that there's stewardship in that coming back to that word, there's stewardship in work and in play and in, in raising your family and being with your family, supporting your family. As well. mm -hmm. So anyway, I just want to answer that, that one yeah. first. Um, meeting mean, Christy. Yeah. So we, she actually was a volunteer at people living Nashville. I think that was, I met her. Let's see, we've been married six years. I met her about eight years ago. She just walked in and it was one of those moments i know sounds cliche but i saw her and i was like yeah that's the one did she have like a light shining on her head totally. with a halo and absolutely that, that. curly hair you she heard just kinda walked in. yeah like walked in and i was like i remember seeing her like oh okay that's the one shoot that's the one dang it really? okay and wow. i was super scared to like talk to her mm -hmm. um and it turns out she had the sim similar feelings <laughs> she was like oh i don't want to talk to him and uh i just and I felt weird because I'm like the leader of this organization. And I'm like I'm gonna go hit on a volunteer. Like, can you do that? And you probably get sued for something right. like that. And I, I just felt weird. So I, I was like, man, it took forever for me to talk to her. And we would do these post hangs, you know, after mm -hmm. serving. And sometimes we'd go to restaurants. You know, we kind of grew a little bit bigger than my house, so we couldn't do red beans and rice. Mm -hmm. So we'd go like taco shops and stuff. And I would see her sitting over there. And yeah, we ended up talking and. Went on a first date and yeah, it was on from there. It was awesome. We dated for around a year and a half, almost two mm -hmm. years. And then, uh, so being from Colorado, there was a, uh, man, it comes back to Kenny again. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to send this to Kenny. So me and Kenny and a few other friends, we would go camping uh, up by Winter Park. So I don't okay. know if you ever yep. skied out uh, there. I haven't. Uh. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lake up there. It's like Glacial Lake. And we would hike all the way up there and 
and we'd camp. It was one of my, it's probably my favorite place ever in the world to have camped. And I remember one of our trips, I was walking around. I mean, it's beautiful. So you can think about like Rocky Mountain Peaks. Mm-hmm. It's right on the oh, divide. Picturing it, yeah. Yeah, glacier, glacial lake, you know, a glacier. What's the, the lake called? King Lake. Okay. Yeah. Small. It's really small. It's like a mountain, alpine lake. And then that feeds into a small pond. And that pond feeds into this like meandering stream. Mm-hmm. I remember going over there and I was like, I'm going to propose right there. Mm. Like right there. And I, I mean, I said that as like a teenager in high school, but I was like, that's where I want to propose. And I always remembered that. I even wrote it in my journal. I was like, I want to propose right there. And so I took her there and we, uh, <laughs> we borrowed my mom's, she had an old Audi A6 mm-hmm. and that is not a vehicle you want to take. I forgot how treacherous this road was mm. to get <laughs> to where we were going. So we got there finally. I was like, oh my gosh. And then it's a, it's a pretty, I mean, you're at altitude and it's a pretty decent hike yeah. and i forgot about how decent of a hike that was too we were like gassed you know by the time we ate a snack she have an idea at all not a clue and we walked over to the little spot and i set up a camera i was like hey i want to take a picture and was videotaping and got down on one knee and nice she gasped and it was awesome it was really beautiful and we just sat there and we prayed and talked and then we hiked back out got in my mom's a6 funny part of the story is that we were driving down the mountain we got reception so she's calling her mom and and like this road was super treacherous and i nailed this rock and it like i mean i hit it so hard bam and i was like "Uh oh that's not good and i look in the rearview mirror i just see black oil oh gosh i was like yep we pierced the oil pan for sure so i got out and i was like oh this is really bad and she's like yeah it's okay it's whatever she's right 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 no 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 like we're, we're stuck in the mountains, like, for real. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, so then I get out, and I was She's like... She's talking to her mom. Though, yeah, yeah, totally. And I, <laughs> so I get in the it. trunk, and I'm like, okay, there's a, there's a roll of duct tape. That's it. So I got a roll of duct tape, and I tried to duct tape the gash. No, that, okay. doesn't, that doesn't work. Okay. Right. I, and I, I so, like, like yeah, yeah, I put it in neutral, and we coasted all the way down to the road. Are you serious? Yeah. And... Uh, I was like, well, so I looked into options. I was like, okay, option one, we can call a tow truck. Option two, I can call my dad. Option three, we can hire a helicopter. Option four, we can hitchhike to the train station. What do we want to do? You know, we talked about it. All right, let's get a tow truck and call my dad. Mm. And my dad's like two hour, two and a half hours away. So tow truck guy got the tow truck, um, <laughs> dropped us off at a restaurant like over there I can't wait to go back to this restaurant we ate like kings and queens mm. like we just feasted like I got the steak and a burrito or something mm. like just like let's do it uh-huh. and we just sat there for two and a half hours just oh, having a great awesome, time that's awesome man yeah. I love it I so, love it that's the story that's yeah. cool that's a good story yeah. it's funny I've, I've asked that question on a few people and their their uh, proposal story was like it was it was still funny but it wasn't at all what they were planned on, oh, you know? sure. and I can't remember if yours was like that or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So having three boys, mm-hmm. challenging. Love it. Uh, mm. Do you have thoughts or pressures you put on yourself as a dad raising kids? Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's thoughts and pressures all the time. Absolutely love it. I mean, it's the best. Um, I never, I never thought that we were going to have three boys. I thought we were going to have a mixture. Mm-hmm. But it's incredible. I mean, the energy in the house is through the roof right now i mean four to mm-hmm. ten months it's like 10 month old is eating everything on the floor legos and the two-year-old and the four-year-old are just like it's an adventure every day and it's funny though how you're like did you say the four one no no legos no cars or whatever the, the little one you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever that'd be fine 
Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We can totally fish that out of his mouth. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, and it's like as soon as I walk in the door, it's like, can we wrestle? And it's like, yeah, right. we can wrestle. That's another thing too, sidebar, like of being like training and like mm-hmm. just being physically fit. I, I was so tired of coming home, tired, being tired. And just like, come home like 5, 5.30, and it's like, I don't want to wrestle right now, but I'll just gird up right. the energy. Now it's like, yeah, I'm going to outpace now you. Now you're throwing them across yeah, the room. Like, that's the idea. bring it down tonight. Yeah, right. Like, I'll, I'll tire you out now, which is really great. And I, I, I highly advise that if that's in the cards. I know it's not in the cards for everybody. But it's so good to, like, try to meet the energy for mm-hmm. some reason. I mean, just notice yep. that. Um, and that's cool, too, at your age, because I'm about – were the gap with the kids mm-hmm. yeah and i think you know i was having a conversation with natalie the other day and just about getting healthy you know yeah um, cardio wise and totally. stuff because i'm like hudson's five i want to yeah. be running you know I was yeah bright or Graham or middle one he's loving playing some frisbee you yeah know? and totally just know. little things like that you realize like i gotta get in shape yeah you know? and you plant the seeds now mm-hmm. i mean it's serious i think it is anyway um yeah i mean the pressures i think it's interesting because I don't know. Maybe this is just my only context because I only have a four. Year, uh, oldest is four, but mm-hmm. like I feel like every other week is a new development of something. Mm. You know, whether mm-hmm. it be teeth, or walking, or eating, or potty training, or whatever it might be. Riding a bike, and it's like it's just a new thing every single. You know, mm-hmm. every single week. You know, and uh, I think there's a pressure of like, oh my gosh, like we have to have everything in order. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I mean, I'm assuming you do have a chart with milestones. Like they're supposed <laughs> to hit this at right. that point. If they don't, then we're supposed to, what are we going to yeah, do? We're, we're going to call yeah. help. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to get stressed, mm-hmm. frustrated. <laughs> and it's hard because you're like, okay, like potty training, for example. It's like, you know, when you're working, you, you work to get potty, you know, these kids potty trained. And then it, 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 you know, it doesn't go as you mm-hmm. think. And then you're like, oh my gosh, we're failing as a parent. And then you think through in your head, you're like, oh my gosh, well then, you know, at their first sleepover, they're going to pee in their bed and that's going to be humiliating. And, you know, you're like, uh, you'll zap yourself on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, but I think that if that's our biggest worries right now, I think that we're in a good spot. Yeah. That shows that our perspective is good and that our scenario is really good. Mm-hmm. That our biggest worries right now are like, okay, are we, are we teaching our, our kids the best that we possibly can in just guiding them in life of just growing as a human being, like learning that you pee in toilets or outside in our case, cause they're boys, but like whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then like trying to build in character, like at least we have the margin to be able to plant those seeds right. and to guide because some folks don't have that margin. Mm-hmm. They don't have that time to say like, okay, we can focus in on character and, and proper potty training, mm-hmm. sleep training, you know, just, dude, I, I mean, I think back on my parents, you know, like they were both working and my, my parents at a time were both nurses. Mm-hmm. One would work, you know, night shift, one would work day shift. They would just tag team, switch off. Like, all right, you're up. And that's, I mean, there's no margin there. I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, when do you sleep? You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about, I think last night I was thinking about my, about my dad because my parents divorced when I was four. Mm. And so I'm like, you know, he had it pretty easy because mm. we only saw him every the every other weekend, mm. and then summers we'd stay about a month. Okay, and which even then my stepmom pretty much did everything because mm. he drank, okay. you know. Um, because sometimes I think I'm like, man, it, it can be draining even as you know a dad and just always constantly having to deal with stuff. You yeah. Know? Um, 
but I was just like, yeah, he he kind of got off easy, you mm. know, didn't have to deal with that. Yeah. And then as your kids get older, you'll even more realize, or or you'll begin to probably even think more, because I'll I'll question like just with the youngest, everything was new and fresh, yeah. and then we had two and a half year gap, and then. Graham, I got busy and got in real estate, and I think I just gave him less attention. Personalities yeah. are different. Mm-hmm. Um, he's my sandpaper, mm-hmm. like meaning I have to work a lot harder at having grace for him. Mm. And then the Hudson, the five-year-old, because and it was cool having that gap of going, "Hey, we get to restart everything," you mm-hmm. know. Um, and we were never like, "Whatever milestones, they'll do it." I tell yeah. people now, I'm like, when they start walking, push them down. I give you like a few more, you know, a few more <laughs> right, months exactly. of, of freedom. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but then you just, you know, even with our 13-year-old, as I was yeah. saying earlier about giving him the freedom and let him grow, but then. It's easy to be lazy and just go, ah, they'll figure it out. Yeah. You know what? I did this as a kid, and I yeah. turned out okay. Yeah. But then I'll, and I'll, I'll kind of oppose with my wife because she'll want to get too strict, and then I'll sure. run on this side. Yeah. And I'm like, but then I'll hear my son's mouth, and I'm just like, all right, I got to do, I got to yeah. start. Yeah, we got to sit ahead. down. Yeah. I, I got to start putting more good stuff in his, in yeah. his mind. You know? Yeah. So I it, that, it is. And even doing interviews and people that have had kids and you just realize, oh my gosh, man, everything I'm doing and saying is having such an impact. It's crazy, you know? right? Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, there's a part that's just like, oh gosh, I want to save him from all this right. stuff. Yeah. Like, there's no can. way he's getting a cell phone. Uh, any of them. Well, they're jamming out. They room. are. Oh, that's oh, like no. a speaker. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just walking around with a speaker. Uh-oh. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think that <laughs> that's incredible. Wait, I thought it was going to just park. Uh, that's the new boom box. Yeah, man. I saw a dude holding it. Yeah, dude. He's listening. That is hilarious. Well, of course, it's... Is that two live crew? No. I don't know. I was like, dang, man. I mean, I was... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, you uh, might need to bleep some of that out. Yeah, bro. yeah, for sure. <laughs> um all right, so let's talk purpose. How yeah. does one find their true purpose? What advice would you give to your younger self in regards to parenting, marriage, or business? Oh, or wow. music? Yeah, purpose. My goodness. Um, I feel like there's... So, like, okay. This is what I would say to myself. That if you're going to work super hard and trying to find your purpose, it's going to be really hard to find it. Okay. I feel like for me, looking back, I mean, I'm only 37, almost 38 years old, so maybe I'll have a different answer in 10 years. Mm-hmm. But my current answer is like, there's, there's, um, I think it's more embracing what your purpose is as opposed to conjuring it up. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make it up. Like it's written on your soul. I feel like like we're we're kind of guided towards a certain light, and we're, I feel like this, just my personal right. thing. And you, we're we're guided towards that direction. And to pay attention to what is like guiding you, um, and like what your your particular um, leanings are, your skills or your passions, like pay attention to those things, and they'll help navigate you because mm-hmm. your purpose will shift and change. But when you start to find like, oh my gosh, that's one of my purposes here, mm-hmm. I think it's more of a journey than mm-hmm. conjuring it up. And I, I I feel like there was a time in my life in my twenties where I felt like I need I had I had a lot of pressure on myself to try to find what that purpose was and it was right around when people of Nashville started it was like oh I didn't see that coming because mm-hmm. right I didn't mention this but right before people of Nashville started I wanted to bring water to Africa mm. and why because 
Africans need water. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about that. I just right. was like, well, I want to do something. I read Purpose Driven Life, and I was like, I want to do that. I want right. to make money for the church. And God's like, oh, buddy. <laughs> you know, so it's like I think there's much more of a journey than we might want. Mm-hmm. And if you know anybody's listening is like in their 20s or maybe even their 30s or 40s, mm-hmm. they're still like, I don't know what my purpose is. It's like it's a journey. It's more about paying attention than conjuring anything. And I think sometimes too, it's like jumping in a ministry and giving it some time. And yeah. Then you might realize like, ah, yeah, I'm not really feeling that. You yeah. Know? Hey. Which is a tough thing too, right? Because sometimes we could not be in it that much mm-hmm. and not feeling it and yeah. you can give yourself an excuse to pull out yeah you know, but it's like what are you looking for yeah you know or is it just you're being obedient because mm-hmm. like you know if you're like oh i'm gonna get into ministry and like oh this wasn't the direction that i really wanted to go it's like or you did that for a season and that mm-hmm. was good yep and, and it is on okay to something to else no, yeah like yeah. it's fine you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, we I don't know. I think we're maybe looking, I don't know. I was looking for like, all right, this is the lifelong thing. Because I wouldn't have said my lifelong thing is to work with the homeless of Nashville. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have said that. And I wouldn't even necessarily say that that's what I do now. Right. That's part of what I do now. But it's not just limited to the, mm-hmm. the homeless, right? That's what our main um, outreach does. But it's, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. We're walking and being in community with those that are in need. Yeah. It's not just like homeless. That's it. Right. No, no, no. Right, for Those sure. Those are in need. Yeah, you're, you're hungry. Just, hey, here's here's a food. meal. Bye. Yeah. If you're, if you're thirsty, here's something to drink. There's clothing. All right, now let's let's sit down and have a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And like to b- provide that platform and a little bit of guidance for, for people to say, oh, I, I want to offer yeah. something. I have something to offer. Let's go. Yeah. Because there's a lot of opportunities for that. Yeah. Um, and we don't have to limit ourselves to a particular purpose. Because I guarantee you this, this is one of the things that, you know, Christy and I, like one of our wedding or one of our marriage mantras is plan for the best and accept better when it comes along. Hmm. So it's like we, we just charge through. We don't pack two rain jackets. We just pack one. Right. And we right. go, we just go with the best we got. Expect that it's going to be the best as possible. And then accept better when it, when it's there, even and, when it looks like it's challenging. And even COVID you know, kind of brought some of that reality. Oh, you know? and I know it's devastating for some. Right. And I don't want to take away the sting because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it stings mm-hmm. a lot. But I do feel that there's there's still hope for a lot of folks, mm-hmm. even though it stings right. a lot. And I right. I pray for those that, that don't, that have found themselves in hopelessness for mm-hmm. sure. Because um, that sucks. I've, I've been there a few times mm-hmm. where it's like, no, nah, there's no hope. We just got to give up. So and from the... Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say that to complete that thought is that I'm really thankful that God had placed certain people in situations in my life to just get me over that next hump. Yep. Just that next hump. Just one hump at a time. And I think the importance of during this time, reach out to the people you know. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Checking in. And, and I think, hey, well, I'm good. Yeah. You, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, right. Let's, yeah. let's, let's just. I mean, sometimes you only got to peel that back one layer, and you're yeah. like, "Whoa!" Yeah, didn't see yeah, that coming. Yeah, no idea. And, and I, I mean, that's it, a that's yeah. a reality of a lot of what's going on. Yeah, and know? it does come back to what we've been talking about, community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think yep. that it's really important. Like I say this sometimes too, it's really important to know where your friend's silverware is. Mm-hmm. That the folks that you're like, yeah, that's my people. If you don't know where their silverware is, that means that you're not in their house enough. Mm. Right. Yeah. Good you know point. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you're just not yeah. there. You're like, well, which drawer is the silverware in? Mm-hmm. If you know where their silverware is, it's like, 
Okay, that means you're in community. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. It's kind of an odd way to right. put it, but I think about like, man, if I'm going and I feel comfortable enough to open up the refrigerator and get that. Okay, we're in community. Yeah. We're in community. Now, if you're like, no, I'm in community and you don't know where their silverware is, I'd challenge to be like, hey. I mean, I know it's COVID time, so maybe, you know, social distancing and all right. that's probably the best thing to do. But w- that concept, whatever yes. Yes. that means to you. Yeah. Well, and, uh, yeah, people sometimes need to have a reality check of what they think they are in. They're really not. Totally. You know? All right. So from the great words of Paul and Timothy 4-7, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? Mm. Mm, that's a big question, bro. Um, I think right now it would be multifaceted. Like I would love for my sons to have seen me not give up in adversity. And when it seemed like it may have been impossible, but something that that God had called our family to, that I never... Um, I never said no. I just said, okay, and walked with open hands. Like, I think that the legacy, I wanted to be as focused as that for my sons to say, yeah, you know what, dad never gave up. And he, and he always said, yes, okay. And, and was obedient to what God was calling him to do. Mm-hmm. And that to throw a little bit of a spin on it, that he tried to bring as much creativity and joy and fun and art and hard work as he could mm-hmm. you know yep like it's just it's just it's like it's for them like that i mean as far as like a legacy you know that reaches any further if it does it's great i'm not too concerned about a legacy that reaches farther mm-hmm. than my sons because that's the biggest mission field we have yeah you know yeah. well and i think on that on that thought too i'm sitting there thinking i'm like and in order to for them to see that they can't see the actions, but mm. it's a lot of being involved in your kids and communicating yeah. throughout the process, right? Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. they go oh, by 10 and years and it's like, um, yeah, what's your dad do? I don't know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> totally. like, yeah. it, I think it's really yeah. important. And I've, I've yeah. dinner time, you know, of sitting down and really communicating, like, the struggles Absolutely. You know, that we push through. Yeah. Versus and that just, a lot of times it's hard and frustrating mm-hmm. and confusing. Yep. And that's okay. Like, that's not a time for panic. That's a time for open mm-hmm. uh, curiosity. And I love it with my 13-year-old. He's he's always been very open to me. And even the other night, we're like, all right, let's jump on the hoverboards. And we just mm-hmm. going back and forth in the neighborhood. And he's sharing stuff, you know. And I listen. And then sometimes I'll throw some wisdom out, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is cool. I yeah. enjoyed it, you know. And yeah. I'm thankful that he's always been willing to chat with me you know yeah. good um, for you for not missing out on those yeah. opportunities you know all right so the uh the nashville real estate minute or a few how long have you lived in nashville um well technically 20 years okay technically what was the year you moved well remember oh. when rachel and yeah. i moved here it was 2001 okay so 19 years yeah uh 2001 um we didn't really live anywhere right but you <laughs> were still here yeah yeah. yeah yeah so like we officially moved i think it was like yeah. 2003 Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we were we moved here, December of two thousand, mm-hmm. and then we got married in oh one. So. We oh, okay. Here. Yeah. Um, all right. So obviously we know why you chose Nashville because of mm-hmm. music. Uh, what community did you land in, and why that location? Um, at first it was like Cool Springs mm-hmm. because they had a free month. Okay. For moving special. Right. Right. <laughs> we're like. Uh, apartments, yeah. Yep. And Rachel and I, we were kids, man. I was 18. Yeah. No, at the time I was 20. And I was like, 
I don't know how to look for an apartment. So we just, oh, here's a move-in special. And it yeah. was like 700 bucks a month. And we moved in there and we moved in together. And that lasted two months because hmm. we were working and living and playing together. We was like, okay, we need a little mm. bit of space. So we were just like, so it was awesome because she, we actually had a friend that lived in the same apartment complex. Mm -hmm. She moved in there and I moved downtown and yeah. Yeah. So, and it, so now you're in Inglewood. Yeah. Now we're in Inglewood. So I've, yeah, I've kind of like ventured from cool Springs and I've always been in the downtown area. So yeah. like downtown West end and then East Nashville for a little while and then Inglewood now. Yeah. yeah it's great. Cool. Yeah, Good community. Oh, it's awesome. Living on a cul-de-sac. It's great. Um, so what do you look for? Well, yeah, if we can, because I know we're pushing mm -hmm. times. Tell me a great memory that you often share about Nashville. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we've already talked about some of my favorite memories of okay. meeting Christy, mm -hmm. the, you know, the births of my children. <laughs> like, that's, that's Nashville. I mean, it's like, oh, gosh, well, I, you can't you can't top those things right you know? right um those are those are the best i yeah. mean those are awesome um some of my favorite memories you know, like i said like when i was a kid for some reason i just loved doing things by myself i have like great memories of learning how to fly fish mm. on percy priest lake out of a float tube you know i love getting on my mountain bike out there too and kayaking like i have really fond memories of just being a young man and like going mm -hmm. like ah I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go do this by myself. Are you fly fishing much now? Uh, as much as I want to. You well, know? I, 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 it, it looks like a cool thing. I haven't yeah. ever done it, but it's. I mean, kind of need to dive in a little bit. It's a little bit yeah. of an art. Yeah. You can, uh, right. Yeah. I mean, you can spin cast like now, but fly mm -hmm. fishing, it's like golfing. Okay. It's like you can have a frustrating time. Right. Right, gotcha. You got to spend some time. And it's m not meant for like an hour or two. Right, right. <laughs> like sometimes right. Chris is like, yeah, you want to go fishing? I was like, well, I only got like an hour or two. Right. Not, that's like right like right at hour two. You're like, okay, ah, I'm here. gotcha, okay. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what do you look Ooh. for in a good real estate agent? Oh, gosh. A real estate? Honestly, like, <laughs> I don't know. If this, this is probably a sin in real estate, but like I've, I've gone through a few different realtors. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love... Um, somebody that's just willing to spend the time and the journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, for us, cause it's just like, and I'm sure this is the same thing for everybody. I'm not just like looking for a house. I'm looking for mm -hmm. a home. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I drove my first real estate agent. If he's listening, yeah, <laughs> I'd probably drove him crazy. We probably looked at like 40 houses mm -hmm. and I was like, no timeline. I was renting right. great rental rates. I was like, nah, no pressure. I just doing this cause I probably should. Mm -hmm. I looked at so many different places. He's probably like, gosh, man, what are you looking for? You know? Um, I, and I appreciated his patience and grace for me in that, but yeah, somebody that's willing to walk and mm -hmm. can go like, yeah, dude, I got your back. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to offer you time that I have allocated for you. And like, in, in I'm just, I'm here for the long haul. That's what I feel mm -hmm. like I need because mm -hmm. I'm not going to make a decision in like a week or two. Right. <laughs> no way. Yep. I like I it. Mean, I know we need like to it. probably do that in this yep. climate, but like, yeah, uh, I mean, our last house that we bought on log cabin is like a godsend man yeah 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 it just popped on us we're like nice okay this is the place and yeah yeah man cool yeah. um all right well that is all i have cool man so that was a short one yeah <laughs> right <laughs> yeah well i appreciate the time man that all right fun. cool that was fun. all right oh and then uh, where can everybody find you at? oh yeah people loving nashville.com um instagram is at people loving nashville 
Yeah, and we're on Facebook as well. You can look it up there. And then they can just show up here on Monday night. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, all the information's on the website. Yeah, okay. And you can, you know, I mean, right now we need to do sign-ups because of okay, COVID gotcha. and stuff. But And it kind of gives you a little bit of background of what to expect and where to go and how, to, you know, times and all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, our doors are pretty much open all the time if we're not on the streets. Yeah. You know, like we usually have somebody here at our current location. And, cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Appreciate your time. Yeah, man. All right. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time.